0: Hello and welcome to the Building Cities Shaping Lives podcast where we talk about how architecture, engineering and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. This podcast is brought to you by the Sabana Jurong Group. I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and I'm working with the SJ Group communications and branding team. I'm a huge fan of science fiction. I love how sci-fi authors like Isaac Asimov and Frank Herbert tell the story of humanity's future, and in so doing, they hold up a mirror to where we are today. There's an important underlying concept in science fiction, called the Kardashev Scale, that classifies alien and future human civilizations based on how much energy they have access to. You don't need to know what exact technologies the Starfleet of Star Trek invented, because as civilizations advance, they will need more and more energy to power their people. In a sense, the real story of human civilization is a story of our never-ending energy transition. We have gone from burning firewood to electrical grids that are powered by fossil fuels, and we are now climbing the next rung on the ladder as we transition to renewable energy and maybe even nuclear fusion. I'm joined today by Tan William, who leads the Energy and Industrial Division at Sabana Jurong. He's been deeply involved with Singapore's own energy transition, having started his career building the Jurong rock cabins that store hydrocarbons before becoming SJ Group's regional lead for renewables. Welcome to the studio, William. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Actually, I wanted to start today with the impact that energy has had on modern civilization as we know it, right? What are some things that you and I have today that we kind of take for granted that if you were to show this to somebody from one, two hundred years ago it would seem almost like magic to them?
1: Oh, well, that's an interesting question. In fact, uh, if you, everyday life, uh, when you wake up in the morning, you turn on your lights, to having hot water when you bathe and all that. I think we tend to take it for granted. Uh, there's a lot of energy used in terms of uh, doing that. Then uh, comes the story of uh, where it comes from, right? And uh, where the source of uh, have, uh, that being created. Take for example, your electricity. We always take it for granted, it's always there. And it's always run stable. And if there's a blackout, we make a lot of noise, right, about it. But if you look to other countries, uh, maybe in Central Asia and less developed countries,
0: blackouts are common. I've heard mention of this thing called the energy trilemma. So it maybe help us to understand what is this concept, and more importantly, um, it sounds very big picture. How does this entire need for the energy trilemma? Uh, how does it apply to me as an individual user of energy? Frankly speaking, um, if we look at the, the current
1: situation around the world, high energy prices are exacerbated by a few factors. Uh, one ultimately is uh, everybody is actually challenging for the same energy source today. That is uh, natural gas. It's one of the cleanest of all fossil fuel and also one of the most important fuel for power generation today. And the geopolitics has played a big part in that. Uh, especially the war between Russia and Ukraine, naturally progressed into a price uh, rise in our energy prices. So that is uh, one of the main challenge. And in so doing, this sort of um, resulted in what we talk about as energy security. Then every country will look for their own sources now. Either they can able to diversify, they will, but those that cannot, then we'll have to go and challenge. But the key question, can you pay that price that the market is trying to sell at? If you can't, then you face the next challenge, which can become at some point quite damaging for certain economies. Big power failures, power plants running at very low capacities, and then you will then face economic uh, consequences as well resulting from that. So energy security is very much today the main topic in a lot of... uh, and also the cause of a lot of probably geopolitical challenges around the world. So this is very important. So maintaining the economic development while doing energy transition is probably the balancing act that most corporates or even governments are trying to maintain today. And then we go on to talk also about uh, demand and supply. On the demand and supply side, if you look at the, uh, uh, let's start with natural gas, we still fundamentally use, there is currently insufficient power supply in the market because you need to do productions, you need to do aspirations in order to get more natural gas into the market to meet the demand in the market. To basically do EMP and then ship out, you need years of investment and it takes time also. So it's not like uh, we want it today and tomorrow you get it. It's not going to happen that way. It to take years to ramp up the supply to meet the search in demand. So you don't naturally have this, yeah? So that's one challenge. Two, you also need to have the natural infrastructure to import natural gas if you want to. You need to have vessels, you need to have import terminals as well. The world also don't have sufficient. And countries in country who want to ramp up also need to build import terminals or even have maybe um, a floating storage facility to support that on a shorter term basis. All these need time to build. So this is one clear challenge to deal with. Now, if we want to put renewables on the table, again, solarization, quick wins, right? So we can obviously solarize. But then, you know, we need space to solarize as well. If you want to do it on a utility scale or large scale. So we need to be able to do that. Then, depending on where you are, in Singapore, we only have four hours of good sunshine. So what do we do with the remaining 20 hours? We can't build a super giga factory of solar farm, plus battery farm, right? So this is, again, where we will face difficulty. But then in other countries, such as in Australia and so forth, renewably, they are very abundant. But then also where the demand centers are and where the production centers are, are also often not next to each other. So you need to then bring in transmission grids and so forth to do that. So again, a lot of costs and uh, infrastructure investment will be required to do that. So these are all the fundamental um, thinking that needs to be dealt with. And then we talk about regional grids, right? So country to country, you want to move electrons. Again, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, every country has their own grid and their own um, natural attribute of their grids. And usually, to put it simply, they don't talk to each other. So in order to transmit at a higher capacity, higher voltage, we definitely need to then start to look at how to integrate those together. Otherwise, it will continue to remain a fundamental challenge to just move electrons between countries. So these are generally what I would summarize as a uh, energy, energy trinema that we need to deal with
0: when we are assessing uh, what it
1: means today in the real world.
0: I wanted to understand a bit more about this whole you know, government-led uh, approach to the energy transition versus a more commercial-based model. How do you see these two models working out? How are governments striking the balance you know, between something that requires a lot of government intervention versus something that you will know, be allowed free markets to take hold? Is there a good in-between to this? I think in my view, the, if we are
1: driving on uh, a lot of this energy transition and initiative policy make a lot of difference. And a policy will then drive a lot of uh, behavioural change, especially on corporates. We understand the petrochemical industry very well. We develop value chains, leveraging our experience in Jurong Island. We know how the current process work. What we then need to do now is add on our knowledge in terms of carbon capture technology, in terms of renewables, in terms of power transmissions, and also energy transition together. Once we are able to add that into the current knowledge of what we know on the process industry, then we will know how do we decarbonize each part of the sector in the petrochemical value chain. And through doing that, we have now successfully actually completed different projects on behalf of our client to look into the pathways as I mentioned earlier, the decarbonization pathway and ET pathways to hit net zero at specific targets, be it 2050, 2060s, And we chart this out in uh, pathways that are KPI based, meaning it's implementable type, it's not the type that we dream about only. Because it has to be realistic in order to make sure that corporates, especially big
0: corporates that we serve, who are very serious about doing this, can move. So personally, what is it about the energy transition and decarbonisation that excites you most? What brings you uh, to work and keeps you excited every day? I I don't want to sound
1: like uh, like I'm trying to sell our company tagline, but uh, really we are shaping a lot of lives whenever we do this kind of work. On a large scale or from a utility scale solar project, it actually impacts the community a lot. And it's not about just uh, uh, delivering electrons or power to to the community, be it green power or blue. It's also about creating the jobs for the community as well. So there's a lot of this social part of the work that uh, we're involved in as well. Because of engineering, because of the advisory that we do, these are all the impacts that so-called positive impacts that will happen, especially when we are planning for large scale industrial development. You can imagine the, the type of impact, both economically, socially, environmentally, that will come along
0: with it. And we need to address all of this to make it complete. Yeah. Thanks so much for that. Rilong. I think that's a perfect uh, end to our podcast, the entire importance of shaping lives in everything that we do. So with that, thank you so much for listening to Building Cities Shaping Lives, a podcast by the Savannah Drone Group, where we talk about how architecture, engineering and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. I'm Daniel Lee, a communicator supporting the SJ Group. Subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platforms and please consider leaving us a review to make our future episodes better. That's all for today. See you next time.